is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features there for free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for their sites. You can actually go and control the content of this radio show by... Go to freetalklive.com, and when you find something online you think is interesting, you think our other listeners might enjoy hearing about or seeing, you just submit it as show prep at freetalklive.com, and then others get to vote as to whether or not they like or dislike your suggestion, and you get to vote on things as well. And the most voted up, make it to the front page and the top of the site. Head on over to freetalklive.com and get interactive. Joining me tonight, uh, Dale. Hi. Hey. We're, we both came back from the same place today. Yeah. And I think that's what we definitely need to talk about here, but let's get right into your phone calls, because uh, we had a very interesting day. Very oh, yeah. interesting. Oh, yeah. I, I would say good in some ways, like really good in some ways, and some, eh, not so great. But first, we go to George listening in D.C. Uh, TSA George, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Dale. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, okay, I'm on my lunch break, so i got to make this quick. I was listening to the... Uh, Friday night thing where these guys are talking about how the Georgia Democrats shut down the uh, lemonade stand and run by these two girls and 14 years old. That's correct. That's ironic in a way that uh, Peter Kress, who defended that thing, her last name was Morningstar. Do any of you know where that's referenced from? I'm not certain. Oh, uh, yeah, we've been reading the thing, but Morningstar is one of the names of Lucifer. Oh, oh, well, that's not good. By the way, your phone would lose your has, phone, man. Thanks for the call. Lucifer has a lot of names. Alternate names, yeah. yeah. Old Scratch, Mephistopheles. Well, uh, and I'm sure a lot of them just come from various mythologies of some kind of vaguely similar deity mm-hmm. that is, since it's not uh, since it's not Jesus, it's the devil. Satan. So so all those deities get dubbed as, as uh, alternatives of Lucifer. It's kind of fun to look at a list of all the alternate names and see the ones you haven't heard of before. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he was referring to the uh, the lemonade stand story where two young ladies were arrested. No, excuse me, not arrested, but they were forcibly stopped uh, from operating a lemonade stand. And unfortunately, their mom had some sort of an obedient comment to make after it was all said and done. Like, I teach my kids to, to be good. Which, which, of course, which she means that you know obey the law. She means obedient. Yeah, obedient. Uh, which is different from being good, because sometimes the people that are demanding that you obey are the ones doing the bad. In fact, a or, lot of the or time, asking you to do bad things. In which mm-hmm. case, you should not be obedient if you're going to be a good person. Which brings us to what we were talking, uh, what we were doing today. Our friends Pete and Adamo from LibertyOnTour.com and CopBlock.org were being good. When they were in Massachusetts, uh, and they were being punished for not being obedient, even though they weren't breaking any laws, right? They uh, were they had gone to a jail in Greenfield, Massachusetts, because a friend, a mutual friend, a friend activist up here, Rich Paul, was uh, arrested for something, and they wanted to bail him out. They had the cash; they were going to bail him out. But they are documentarians, and if you go to LibertyOnTour.com, you see there's a lot of video content. That's because these guys record whatever interactions with government bureaucrats they have. You know, they're silly. They think that there's a freedom of the press and that, uh, you know, that, that, that they have the freedom to operate. They also have this silly notion that sometimes these bureaucrats don't behave in the most professional manner, and the only way you can ever hold them accountable is to, is to get them on video. Yep, absolutely. They and have that silly notion as well. And in most cases... They get away with it, in most cases. 
But in some cases, they go up against uh, particularly ornery bureaucrats who believe that they own them and uh, have the ability to say, well, I don't consent, as though that means anything. And, and did you notice, in fact, the judge trying to – and I'm almost certain there's nothing about consent in the actual law. I think there's a, I think there's something about secretly recording people without their knowledge, but I don't think there's anything about consent in the actual law that they're being charged with. But did you see that right. language trying to be inserted in the actual jury instructions? He did, he did kind of in a very uh, awkward that. and not in bizarre way. But you're getting ahead of yourself, Dale, because we haven't really explained uh, what we're talking about yet. So they were at this jail and they were using video cameras and the jail guards got very upset about it. Even though jail guards themselves have video uh, devices installed all over the facility, it's a problem apparently when the little people like us have our own cameras. And so they got all uppity about it and there was a lot of back and forth, a lot of discussion about it. They ended up calling the Greenfield police and then one of their Greenfield officers shows up and threatens them with an arrest for trespass if they were to continue using the video camera. He said, look, you've got to leave or put the camera away and go bail your friend out or else you're going to be arrested for trespass. And this, again, went back and forth for several minutes before the Greenfield police officer did uh, initiate an arrest at that point. Uh, both Pete and Adamo were arrested and charged with wiretapping which is a felony carrying approximately five to six i think six years five years in prison maybe two and a half anyway they were looking at a total of five years from what i understand five or six years they also uh were charged with trespass they were also charged with something else which had been dropped and i i forget it escapes my mind what that was but in addition they were charged with so so i said trespass wiretapping oh and then uh, resisting arrest resisting arrest yeah which of course they love to typical piling up of charges everything they could possibly think of and then you know they start dropping some of them right And, and they like to tack on resisting arrest when you don't do absolutely everything you can to assist them in your own kidnapping so even though you were doing good, or Pete and Adamo in this case, were doing good, they were recording the police, recording government bureaucrats who supposedly are on your payroll, right? You're the one who pays the taxes. So they're supposed to be servants. Of course, they don't act like servants. Can you imagine hiring somebody to do a job and then them having them get upset when you want to see if they're doing the job correctly? When you want to... Have some sort of video footage of uh, them doing their jobs. Public servants in a public place. It'd be like the Walmart employee. It'd be like the Walmart greeter getting upset that there's a loss control system in the store. Loss control being the department that uh, has all the cameras and the agents that make sure everything is uh, not walking out the front door without being paid for. So, uh, so they end up getting arrested. They get these multiple charges. Then today, before the trial. They discovered that the trespass charge has been dropped. Which is very bizarre. (laughs) Right. Because, again, now we're faced with this fruit of the poison tree doctrine, which seems to be completely ignored in government courts today because we've seen other people get convicted. Uh, Let me give you an example here. So if they were arrested for trespass, which is the reason the police officer stated he was going to arrest them. They had not been arrested for wiretapping. The wiretapping charge didn't come until after the arrest. So they were arrested for trespassing. The trespass charge was dropped, yet they still face resisting arrest charges. This it's bizarre, but I think there's precedence for that sort of thing where oh, the original charge is, is dropped yet because you you know they still go forward with resisting arrest. Even though sure. they shouldn't have arrested you, 
Presumably, because the charge for which you are arrested has been dropped. There's plenty of precedents uh, for this, but it shouldn't be that way by the fruit of the poison tree doctrine. If they made a false arrest, if they determined after the fact, oh, wait, looks like we shouldn't have arrested him for trespass after all, then how could they be legitimately charged with resisting arrest? I mean, if they actually did resist arrest, and it remains to be seen what the jury thinks because the trial did not finish today, Uh, we got to the point where the state, so-called, the people calling themselves the state, decided they were done with their prosecution. So tomorrow, early morning in Greenfield, Massachusetts, the trial continues. Uh, Pete Nadamo over at LibertyOnTour.com, CopBlock.org slash Greenfield, place to go to get all kinds of video and background information about what's going on there. Uh, I know that Jason Talley was out from cdevolution.org today. He was uh, tweeting information out, uh, posting Facebook updates about what was going on. And I definitely want to get into some of the details because there were over 50 people that came out for this trial. At one count of me just looking around the courtroom, over 50 people. That's probably a symptom of them taking so long to bring this to trial. It's been... You know, a lot of news has gotten out about it. There's that. Yeah, because there are some folks, some of those 50, maybe about 10% of them were, uh, maybe a little more than 10%, were actually locals from Greenfield, not uh, the Liberty activists from New Hampshire, which were the bulk of them. More coming up. We'll tell you what happened, because it was pretty amazing in parts. It's Free Talk Live. You know that cigarettes will kill you. You've been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try? There is a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier. Well, listen to this offer from Vaporsmiths.com. A -a pack-a-day smoker will save $120 a month. So you already start being richer, feeling healthier, and smelling better. What more could you want? How about a free starter kit? Just purchase 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Free shipping on orders of $60 or more. 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Give you the features there for free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, freetalklive.com, one of those features. The Shrine of Female Listeners, dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing they are listeners of this program. Shrine.freetalklive.com will take you there. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Plus, there's details there as to how, if you are a lady listener, you can become part of the Shrine. Once again, shrine.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live brought to you by the Free State Project, liberty-oriented people. People that understand what liberty means coming together in the same geographic location is, in my opinion, the solution to achieving liberty in our lifetime. That's why I picked up my life and made the move from Florida to New Hampshire. Everybody always asks, why did you move from Florida to New Hampshire? You know, the, uh, I guess, unspoken assumption in there is it's so cold up here. And it, it can get cold in New Hampshire, there's no doubt. Uh, you moved up from California and Georgia, actually. Yeah. You've lived in both of those places, Dale. And uh, why did you move here? Because the the kind of people that I want to be around are here. And it is the best hope, like you said, for liberty in our lifetime. Uh, it, it's certainly gotten better just since I've been here. Hasn't it, though? Yeah. I agree completely. And it's just, 
there are things that have happened already, and again, we're we're still on the beginning cusp of this movement. Only a few hundred people have actually made the move thus far, and we want to get thousands of people. We've got over eleven thousand pledged to move. I want to get to 20,000 people, and we need to get hundreds more here sooner rather than later, and then thousands more here. Uh, But just having those hundreds has made a big difference. It's made a big difference in the world of politics, also in the world of uh, civil disobedience and non-cooperation, which the liberty movement just hasn't even had before New Hampshire. And have you seen the recent – I just saw recently like the last five years of Porkfest photos were posted, maybe four years, four years, oh, five really? years. Where? Over at and, Porkfest.com? Uh, it's been, it's, it was posted at, uh, at the Free State Project Forum okay. under a Porkfest thread, and it shows the last four or five years. And you can see the, the size – looks like it's doubling every year, mm. the size of the uh, – I wouldn't say it doubled between last year and this year, but it certainly did increase. Well, I'm talking about the, the photo, though. The, the, oh, I'm the just, big group just photo? Just eyeballing the photo. I see. It just, it's, it's just a nice dramatic visual, though, mm. to see the numbers growing so quickly. So go to freestateproject.org. If you love liberty, that is. If you don't, just do something else. But if you love liberty and you want to be free and you're willing to do something about it, because complaining ain't going to make it happen. You won't complain your way to freedom. You won't be able to beg your way to freedom. You have to actually do. You have to actually stand up. Maybe take a little risk. Uh, but at the very least, joining together with others makes things possible that previously had been impossible. And I submit to you as an example uh, the trial today of Pete and Demo from LibertyOnTour.com and CopBlock.org as an example of the success of the Free State Project. Because where else will you, if you're going to trial for something, presuming you're going to trial for some non-crime, not if you actually hurt someone, but right. where else can you get 50 people to turn out in support of you at a trial? We packed that courtroom. The courtroom was packed. In fact, I believe it had reached... There was a lot of cheering and clapping going on when when, when uh, they would make a, when our side would make a good case, a that good That was one of the things that I thought was the best part about it because we've had a situation where folks have laughed in court before and they've been shut down by the judge in fact it happened fairly recently here in Keene when there were approximately 15 people in court maybe about now a dozen to 15 people that were in court that were of a liberty mindset they laughed some of them laughed about some absurdity that the the judge said at the the front of the room and the judge then suggested that everyone leave Unfortunately, most people did, and I thought it was a mistake on their part, but then again, I don't control other folks, and for them, you know, it may have just been too risky for them to stay. They were probably too worried about uh, being arrested, so they got up and, and they left. I think that had they all stayed, no one would have been arrested, and the guards never would have been able to do anything about it, but obviously, what's done is done in that particular case. But today, when we had... Three times as many people, four times as many people. I mean, as a dozen folks, we had 50 plus. So when folks laughed, the whole courtroom was laughing and there was nothing that the judge even tried to do about it. Right. It, it could just be a different attitude about that particular judge. Well, the judge has seemed – I've, mm-hmm. I've been in front of this judge a number of times, and not as a, as a defendant, but in his courtroom, just as I've gone down to support Pete Nadamo at the various different motion hearings they've had and the arraignments, like all this stuff over the last year, it's been the same judge every single time. And he's always seemed more even keel as far as his emotional uh, quotient than okay. the man in the robe here in Keene. But – 
you know, all that said, he could he sure surely could have been a lot worse. But what what could he really have done? I mean, he's in a courtroom that's the majority liberty activists. I mean, he's they packed in as many bureaucrats today as they possibly could. There was court security all over the place. And one of the negative sides about today was that they weren't allowing any uh, electronic devices into the courtroom. And that was a special case for us. That is not Correct. standard. In fact, there's a sign on the door of that very courtroom that says, turn off your cell phones or silence your cell phones, I believe it says. Correct. So this was a special case. They were specifically doing this just to us. Cracking down on the electronic devices. Now... To be fair, they did allow one video camera in the room because, well, even in old Massachusetts, if you got enough people around that are willing to to uh, be active for liberty, you can get cameras in a courtroom. So that's a that's a good sign. We were able to get the camera in there, and so there will be footage of all of this coming out. There will be footage of an entire courtroom full of people. The first thing that happened was I was operating the camera in the beginning, and then Bo from LibertyOnTour.com took over. Uh, but in the very beginning, I, I heard when the judge was going to come in, the, bure- the bureaucrats were talking, oh, he's, the judge is on his way. <laughs> and so I turned the camera to face the audience at that point. As you said, you know, this is a huge audience of people. The, the, yeah, they you want to get, get that documented. It was impressive. Right. They filled the entire frame of the, of the camera. Yeah. And uh, so when they said, all rise... There were maybe three people out of the 50 people <laughs> yeah. that stood up. Yep. And then, of course, yep. I panned back over to uh, the courtroom after that, after really establishing that this is a special moment. Something's <laughs> really happening here. And so then it was later that folks started laughing. Like, there was a whole lot of laughter. More laughter incidents than I can count. Yeah. Well, uh, there were some ridiculous statements made by some police oh officers God. and things like that. All kinds of ridiculous statements, contradictions, nonsense. And people were just laughing and nothing was being done. Like, the guards weren't even saying, the, uh, the security agents, they weren't even trying to, to tell people to be quiet. The, folks were just laughing and they were getting away with it. Which, the, these people hate that. At least that's been my observation over time. They don't like it because it ruins the decor and the seriousness of the courtroom, and we can't have, we can't just have people taking us uh, like a joke. We have to be, ha- we must be taken serious. This is very <laughs> important to them. Their sense I'm of totally serial. Their uh, their sense of legitimacy, their aura of legitimacy well, is it, critical. It, it's all them. based on this big stage play they put on over and over again, and all these effects and these rituals. They've got to prop up this illusion of authority that they supposedly have. And when have you ever been in court? Has it, have it has it ever occurred, Dale, that you've been in court when people clap? Has that ever happened to you? Uh, I see it in the movies. More coming up. <laughs> this is Free Talk Live. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. This is Free 
Talk Live. You can bring up what you want and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The features are free there, so enjoy those on us. Unlike those other talk show hosts who want to charge you for their site, we give you archives that go all the way back to late 2006. They are completely free. You just go, click, and download. There's no logging in or membership fee or any of that other nonsense you have to deal with on those other talk show sites. Freetalklive.com. As we continue here with a uh, continued recap of what you and I experienced today, Dale, and you arrived pretty much the same time I did, right? Or bright and early this morning. Yeah, pretty in close. Greenfield. Mm-hmm. We left here uh, out of Keene probably like 7 a.m. and got there around 8, uh, just, in, uh, just in time to hold some signs that were, you know, said things like no victim, no crime, or five years for filming. Mine said, what did the police have to hide? Or what do the cops have to hide? That's a good one. Mm-hmm. And lots of stuff. Actually, there was a sign-making party yesterday at the uh, the Keene Activist Center, and so there were a number of signs. We already had some signs that were kind of like generic, no victim, no crime, you can bring those things out anytime. And then there were specific signs that were specifically made for this. Because occasion. they keep prosecuting people for victimless crimes. So One that sign days, ends up being really common. Maybe they will stop someday and we'll get to burn those signs. But uh, yeah, until then, those are going to be evergreens. So we were out there uh, this morning and probably had a good 25 people uh, out in front of court before it even started, an hour before the trial, for the purpose of doing outreach to the jury. At least that was my intention. Uh, I wanted to give the jurors who were arriving, or the potential jurors, because the jury wasn't actually picked until 9 a.m. So all the folks that were arriving were in the jury pool. And usually what I'll do is I'll hand out fully informed jury information to these folks. The reason I didn't in this particular case is because I was specifically asked not to by Pete and Ademo. And the reason for that was they had been ordered by the man in the robe. They had been ordered to not hand anything to the jurors. Now, that didn't mean that I couldn't hand something to a juror, but they asked me not to because they wanted to make sure that the judge would have no reason to excuse the jurors who'd been given pamphlets and then call a mistrial and have to start it all over again. Yeah, this has been dragged out for quite a while. Over a year since the original arrest. And these guys, they're sick of going back. I mean, they've gone back several times for various hearings on motions and such. And it's just, it's an emotional toll having to deal with going to court but it's also, in this case, it's an hour drive, and yeah. that's a, bit, a lot of money and gas, not to mention the time that you have to spend and invest. And so these guys just wanted to be over, and so they asked folks not to hand stuff out to the jurors. And so I, I respected that. Uh, but th- that didn't mean we couldn't hold signs, and right. we couldn't reach the jurors with messages on the signs. So there, were, there was a great little sign-holding rally, protest, demonstration, whatever you want to call it, uh, in advance of uh, the court. And interestingly, just kind of as an example of what the mainstream media considers important, right across the street from the courthouse is the newspaper's building, the recorder in Greenfield. And I don't know about you, Dale, but um, I wasn't interviewed by any reporter, and, and I didn't see any photographer come out. I mean, you'd think <laughs> that if there's news happening, and how often does a 25-person strong protest happen anywhere, especially at a courthouse, uh, how – you're across the street, 
And you don't send a photographer out? I know. I saw a couple of people come over. It seemed like they were just employees that were kind of curious. But there was there did not seem to be any sort of official coverage, certainly. Yeah, and they knew that we were going to be there. So not only did they have advance notice, because Pete Nadamo had told them all about what was going on in the hopes of getting some sort of uh, level of local coverage for this, but then even if you didn't know, even if you had no idea what was happening, you look out your window and you see it. 25-person strong sign-holding protest. I don't know. Maybe you'd send somebody out. Oh, well, I'm not in charge, so I can't make that decision for them. But nonetheless, we had a good time anyway and lots of positive response from uh, from people in Greenfield. Yeah, we talked to some people, just passers-by who were curious, and, and their response was uh, just as much shock as we were experiencing at, at what they were doing. At what was going on at, this, at the prosecution of these absurd uh, – uh, these absurd – not real crimes that they were prosecuting. So then uh, we went inside, and as I mentioned before, they completely banned all electronic devices. There was some hubbub about that, and as the, as is inevitable, a lot of hubbub. I mean, because it, it was so ridiculous that they were doing this, this very special case just for this this case. Yes, exactly. Cracking down and only allowing one person in with a uh, with a video camera. Everybody else, not even allowing cell phones or anything at all, um, and. So the the reason why I don't think anybody made a move on that, nobody tried to violate that ban, is because everybody wants this to be done with. There are enough problems in New Hampshire. I don't blame anybody for not wanting to make a stand for freedom down in Massachusetts. Uh, in fact, yeah, we've got, the whole point is to do it up here. <laughs> yeah, we've got problems that are worse in New Hampshire, actually, in some ways. Because in New Hampshire, uh, in Keene, we can't have cameras or audio recording devices in the court anymore unless you beg in advance, unless you give them notice in advance you're going to do it. Um, so we've got our own set of problems. It wouldn't make sense for somebody to violate the camera ban down there on purpose for the purpose of you know creating another trial uh, in Greenfield. So people backed down on that particular issue. But there were some issues where they didn't even have – they weren't even threatened to where they had to back down. Like the massive applause that happened multiple times after a demo got up and did his uh, opening statement. It didn't take long for a smattering of applause to turn into an entire room full. It spread almost yeah, instantly. It was, uh, um, uh, yeah, absolutely. It was huge applause. The, the entire audience was applauding for what a demo said. What is that? What do you think that is like for that jury? I hope it. I hope it impresses upon them that there's a lot of people that are paying attention to what's going on. Yeah. And that this is this is going to be a public thing, and and their decision is being watched. And I hope it. I hope it has a good effect. I. I. You know, it's like I, I said earlier, just before the break, you were saying you were talking about the applause then, and have I ever experienced that sort of thing? And I haven't. But I do see it in the movies all the time. <laughs> you know, when you see these you, they, all these court case movies where they show justice winning out which is kind of a joke it doesn't mm-hmm. happen very often in a court but uh they show these uh, these cases of this happening and you do see that you see people applauding after a speech or something like that and and so i think most people go into a courtroom thinking that that is the way it is you know that it's this dramatic uh you know it's like a movie normally it would be i would think that would be forbidden i mean just based on the way well, i've seen judges that's the way, act that's the way burke is right. <laughs> acts and in, in, uh, our local judge here so Right. They, people don't want uh, – the people that are running the court don't want a jubilant atmosphere. They don't want people to be happy about their visit to court. They don't want excitement. They don't want laughter. They don't want applause. But in this case, even if they didn't want it – and they didn't because the prosecutor at one point uh, apparently when most people were out of the room, 
Uh, this is according to Pete Nadamo when they okay. were in there and the prosecutor was in there. The, the prosecutor did make some sort of a mo- motion toward the judge to stop the laughter or uh, stop the applause. One or the other. One or the other to stop one or the other. And the judge basically wasn't going to do anything about okay. it. Okay. Well, that's good. So it's great. I mean, it's just yeah. incredible what has happened thus far. And it's not over yet. The uh, prosecution, I think they called three witnesses. They showed the videotape as well, which they actually had a VHS tape that they brought in. I didn't see that. There was a VHS. There was a VHS dub oh of uh, one of their videos. <laughs> oh no! I'd walked back in a little late because I had to go. I'd gone out to uh, to check my email because again, no one was allowed to bring their phone in. And I'd gone out to check my email. I came back in a little bit late. They had this TV set up, and I was looking at the back of the TV because in our on our part of the room couldn't see the front of it. Uh, it was pointed toward the jury. And I'm like, what? How are they playing something on that TV? There's no cords going into it. What are they doing? And I finally realized they must. It must be like a DVD. But then the prosecutor goes up and pops a, a VHS tape out of the thing, and I thought, Oh my God, what year is this? <laughs> well, and you know, there there was that testimony. The one police officer didn't didn't understand that there are a lot of handheld devices that can instantly stream to the internet. Right. He couldn't. Uh, he, he believed that there were no handheld video devices that could could transmit data. Right, straight yeah. to the internet. And- yeah, sorry, dude, you're wrong. It was actually kind of flippant when uh, Adamo said, "Oh, it's called the iPhone." Did you hear him yeah. say that? And, and which they didn't do actually. Uh, Pete, and, Pete and Adamo weren't streaming anything, as it turns out. It's true. Yeah. Um, he, he had made a phone <laughs> but- call to uh, a young lady, and uh, that lady recorded the call. Allison Gibbs from the Ladies of Liberty Alliance. She recorded the call, as I understand it. Right. And uh, but yet they brought them up on the charges of recording. Their trial continues tomorrow. There's more coming up. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231, and you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com, and we give you the features there free. If you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, do that by going to promote.freetalklive.com. That's where you'll find a whole list of things that you can do to help get Free Talk Live into more ears around the world go to promote.freetalklive.com and you'll get everything from a list of uh, let's see you can get our address uh, to send a request for a free bumper sticker and the instructions on how to do that there uh, plus details on flyers you can print out graphics you can download you can use to create whatever you want make your own free talk live shirts if you want to I mean, we don't care go ahead uh, and also web banners, etc. Go and get all the details at promote.freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight is Ian. And Dale. Dale joining us courtesy of his radio program, Prometheus Unchained, which you can download free 
at flamingfreedom.com. That's flamingfreedom.com. We've got banners and stuff, too, for people to download. Excellent. A fine idea. Uh, once again, flamingfreedom.com. It's an LGBT-oriented, liberty-focused program. So is there anything we're missing, Dale? Because a lot happened today. I mean, we spent all day in court. We were in uh, Greenfield for the trial of Pete and Adamo. You can, If you don't know what we're talking about, go to copblock.org slash Greenfield. There's an exhaustive history there, including a 30-minute documentary uh, on what has occurred to Pete and Adamo thus far in the town of Greenfield, which is, is much more than just the trial and the things surrounding the trial. It's also harassment, uh, continued harassment on the part of the police. In fact, uh, one of those police officers was there this this morning lurking about uh, being creepy and there was there's just been so much that has happened but there was one little comment made that I thought was interesting to note was it was revealed that the the wiretapping charge apparently uh, got tacked on uh, when you know a, a demo called a friend of his and uh, with very openly by the way it wasn't sneaky it wasn't like he was trying to sneak his cell phone and get, right. record anything he was just trying to call his friend and, and let, let her know what's going on and it's right out there in the open in front of the police. So they even showed on the video where the police looked right at him holding mm-hmm. a cell phone. They should know that that, that that call is going to someone and that they're, whatever they're saying could be heard on the other side. The person on the other side decided to record, which is, you know, certainly their prerogative. It's kind of ridiculous. Right. And then um, but uh, and, and then she, and then somehow it made went through a couple of channels and ended up posted on Facebook or something like that. Right. So uh, this cop found out about this. Within a span of like 15 minutes, he's, he, he, he actually testified to that fact. I was amazed by that. I and mean, What does that say about these? What are they doing to, to, to find out about something posted on someone's Facebook 15 minutes after? I mean, yeah. how, how closely are they watching? That, that was amazing to me because they were— That's creepy. It was the dispatcher, actually, that found out about it, according to the cop's yeah, yeah. testimony. Yeah, someone else—another cop found out and told him. So yeah. who, whatever this dispatcher is up to, I mean— it's, it's that's big brotherish. Mind blowing <laughs> that within ten to fifteen minutes, according to the testimony today, that they had this information that uh, this audio file had been posted on the internet. Yeah, and all it is is like you can kind of hear the you can hear the officers kind of talking in the background of the cell phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it and, and they're already being recorded on film right. and audio recorded on film, and which could be getting transmitted as far as they know. This cop was claiming ignorance of that 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 a handheld device could be transmitting to the internet, which is re- re- pretty silly. The cop certainly made himself look ignorant. Yeah, today, and, but sure. but they were trying to they tried to act like this was this the death blow. Look, he recorded on a cell phone and we didn't know it. Right, and then but they didn't like it was caught on film. All of it. It was all. On the audio, on the video, and even, the phone is being held out right in front of him, like literally, like three feet away from him. Even if the video were to end at a certain point and the audio were to continue, and I don't know if that happened or not, I'm not sure how long the audio was in comparison to the video. But even if that were true, if I come to you, Dale, and I say, Dale, I'm recording this conversation, and you say, turn off that camera, and I say, okay, and I turn off the camera, does that mean you aren't being recorded anymore? <laughs> that's a technicality that is very interesting to consider <laughs> right now again i don't know if the uh, if the audio went longer than the camera did i'm not sure about that but if somebody tells you you're being you recorded know, that doesn't mean it's th- one device that's recording that's you. right that just means hey heads up 
you're being recorded. And again, the other device in this case was not being sneaky at all. It was no. right out in the open. And, uh, and it wasn't him that was recording. And a cell phone it. records. That's just obvious. Uh, but it yes. wasn't the cell phone. It was a person on the other the end person of the, the phone. Other, well, it, it, it transmits. I'm sorry. The cell phone right. transmits. And obviously the other person the other person had decided to record it. But uh, but yeah, I, I think that that's but, but that's Pete, enough. But, for, but Adima's the one being charged with with wiretapping exactly. and, and Pete for making but, a phone call. And Pete, it wasn't his phone; it was Adema's phone. So why right. are they charging him? With right, it? exactly. exactly. The whole thing is a mess. The, the, the whole thing is a mess. And the best part about this is the state doesn't have much of a case at all. And you only find this stuff out when you actually take something to trial. Yeah, you know they dropped multiple charges. There were different charges they were facing up till the trial. They yeah, were dropped they kept dropping the trial. charges. So that well, they sh- did the pile on initially, and probably right. had every intention of using that as a scare tactic with the intention of dropping. Because it normally works, or, or or plea bargaining them, and yeah. Well, normally that that's this the was a case. I works. think this is a case where they played chicken. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this was a case where they played chicken. Like, oh, they kept you know they kept thinking that they would that Pete Nadamo would 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 cave and uh, take a deal. Because they the deal came down to look we'll just won't send you won't give you any jail time at it was all three hundred bucks was yeah the last offer I'd heard about yeah so and no jail time all all of this and and uh, you know obviously if this goes all the way to trial and and it's and it and shows to be the farce that it is and they can get completely not guilty from uh, at least on the wiretapping I sure hope they can uh, I hope they can. Uh, I, hope they, I, th- I I think they will get I I, I really think they're going to get not guilty on the wiretapping and uh, the only thing I can think of is it really just depends on the mindset of the jurors whether they get uh, resisting arrest because right. they didn't That's, actively resist arrest. There's, there's even a police officer who said no, they didn't resist arrest. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that great testimony. They didn't even ask them anything because they didn't need to. He had just testified. Nope, right. they didn't res- res- resist at all. Did you have any trouble putting the handcuffs on? Nope, didn't nope. have any trouble putting the handcuffs on. <laughs> I mean, so that's that's pretty damning, right there. There was some testimony about how it, a demo pulled his arm away from one of the officers when he was trying to but arrest. But that's a, that's quite a reach. I think even I in a juror's you. mind, I agree with uh, you. It's a, it's a reach, but that's from our perspective but, yeah, and from yeah. what we've seen thus far with juries in liberty cases is that the juries still even though in like new hampshire police is having being beyond reproach they're so credible the police seem so credible to them uh at least we're we're speculating right because we don't know we haven't talked to very many juries but there was one juror that i did talk to and even though he had in in another case in a different different case uh but even though he had this was after the case was over i talked to uh, one juror and and if you want to see this you can go and look at freekeen.com search juror jim tells all it's a really revealing video where he spends about six minutes ask, answering my questions about his experience and what happened. And he basically explains that, yeah, he kind of understood the jury nullification information. He had been given the, the flyer, but he didn't read it because he thought he already knew about it, <laughs> which turns out he didn't really know that much about it. Um, but uh, but anyway, he, he still found this person guilty uh, that, that he was trying and there were certain things that could have been done that that might have changed his mind. There were more emotional appeals that maybe could have been brought out, other points that could have been made. But generally, the attitude of juries has been, well, we've got to convict them of something. I mean, they're here, and we're here, and, uh, well, the state's there, and we're going to convict them of something. So even in the case of Bob Constantine, where he was facing uh, years in prison for growing pot, the jury didn't convict him for the growing charge, but they did convict him of a lesser possession charge. So it wasn't a total jury nullification. They didn't nullify and say, oh, these laws are bad. They just said, well, we think it would be bad if this guy was convicted of the worst charge, so we're just going to bring him this, this lesser charge. So in this case, they may very well do something similar. 
But it sure would be great if this could be that history-making moment where in the liberty movement up here in in New England, in the New Hampshire area, where two liberty activists are actually set free by a jury. And more than that, what I was getting at is if they are found completely not guilty, then there's the possibility – that lends a lot of fuel, I think, to a lawsuit possibility. God, you know, Dale, I wonder about this whole lawsuit possibility. I know. Me too. Believe me, I'm the first one. (laughs) I'm the first one. But I've seen – you know what? I just reported on on, on my own show. I just reported on a case of a bar raid happened in Atlanta Mm. where they did, in fact, sue sue the city for a million dollars. And they won. And won. They they won a million dollar settlement. I don't know how you do it. You'd have to find a lawyer that's willing to take a case like that because – I don't know how you do a suit. I think by it's, it's going to take a, a you know an organization that pursues those sorts of things like uh, like the Civil Liberties Union or something right. like that. And from my discussions with uh, just individual attorneys, they're just like, yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think it's going to take something like a big organization that fights for rights. Although I was just thinking recently, maybe someone needs to contact the Institute for Justice if the ACLU doesn't pan out. Because those guys helped out the, the Kilo 7 when they were being aggressed against in New London, Connecticut way, way back during mm-hmm. the case where the Supreme Court decided that government people can take your property and give it to private owners. Um, so they weren't successful, but... It's been a hell of a day, and it's not over yet. As I said, the trial is not complete. Tomorrow, uh, Pete and Demo they're going to have their side. And I think they're just going to rest. They're not going to do anything. And they're going to have a closing statement at that point, and the jury will deliberate. Their case is pretty solid. Yeah, we'll let you know what happens. Hour 2 next. Free Talk Live. People ask me, Tim, why did you start VerbalSurgery.com? Well, it's easy. I started making these podcasts to make you feel better right now. That's right. From the tops of the Himalayas to the bottom of the deepest seas. That's right. These broadcasts go out to everywhere on the planet and most importantly, deep inside of your brain to make you feel better right now. And isn't that what it's all about? VerbalSurgery.com. Check it out today. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there for free. So enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. Some not-so-great business news for those of you that are Fans of books, you know, those old things that have pages in them that you have to turn and actually pick up in order to read. Uh, yeah, apparently the, there's a bookstore that's not doing very well. Dale, you're going to give us the details on that here in a little bit. But first, your thoughts with Frank on the line in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Dale. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? I thought I'd talk about the uh, debt crisis, you know, with the uh, – but but, would you, but I'm more interested in the uh, case that you guys attended today. Okay. Uh, I would say from a legal perspective, if the uh, jury finds that they're innocent and they're acquitted, then they can proceed with the legal case and also a civil rights 
violation case. They can actually get the Justice Department to bring that against the officers in the community because ultimately they violated their rights and the police perjured themselves. Now, when you say the Justice Department, you're talking about the federal government, right? Yes, correct. This is one of the problems that I have, have by the way. Jurisdiction regarding civil rights. This is um, one of my my issues I have. Please, Frank, let me let me jump in here with this and like to have you address it because I don't pay federal income tax. I would feel wrong, and I don't know about the boys. I would feel wrong going to the federal government saying, "Please come help me with my case in New Hampshire." (laughs) No, 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 that has nothing to do with it. The point is, the Justice Department handles the civil rights violations, and there's no statute of limitations on those. If you remember. Uh, the, the murder of Medgar Evers was convicted 42 years after the murder of Medgar Evers. So uh, the point is you could actually get Bill Clinton and you could get Janet Reno uh, and bring, bring uh, criminal charges against them for the Waco uh, massacre because all the Branch Davidian civil rights were violated and they lost their lives. And the point is, the point is if someone had the political gumption uh, they could actually do that, but we know that the political gumption is sort of controlled by other uh, things. But the point is, they could also proceed with uh, a civil case and attempt to get uh, financial compensation for that, and that's what they probably should do. And also, remember, I think it'd be great police, if they did. I mean, I agree with you. When the police Frank. perjured themselves by stating that they resisted arrest and then they testified that no, they didn't, <laughs> uh, that should be the end of those police officers. Oh, but that wasn't careers. even my favorite perjury. My favorite one was when uh, Adamo, I think it was, I, asked one of the cops, "Have you ever broken the law?" Yeah, and the cop actually the cop claimed, answered no right away before yeah. before the objection could be raised. <laughs> right, it wasn't so objection. And it was uh, uh, it was sustained, I believe. Right. Yeah. See, I would question the competency of that, and then I would proceed with civil lawsuits after this if they're acquitted. But how do you do that, Frank? Officers. Do you, you have to find a lawyer first who's willing to take right. the case? I, I do like want to I do want to make a note real quick. When I it, when you say the police officer said they did it when they and they did it was actually it was a different police officer who came up and said no they weren't so doesn't matter you know. that's enough that's enough to prove if they used him as the witness that's enough to prove that uh, they perjured themselves and that's a felony and they could actually get you know up to twenty some years a hard time for that so that's what I would that's what I would do it reminds right. me of the case now that that the woman uh, her breast was groped uh, I guess last week by a TSA agent and then she reacted by grabbing the TSA <laughs> I remember that. and now she's arrested for sexual assault which is going to be interesting when that case comes to trial if it does uh, you can't have the law both ways where one party can violate the law and another party can't the well, law has to be evenly I agree with enforced. you that that, the, that if you know laws should be applied consistently if they right. are uh, but I don't feel that, that that they do that at all in fact that they that it's quite in, in fact in this case no, but, for instance hold right. on in this case Case, for instance, that it's been it was clearly reported that the police record constantly inside that area. They don't ever give anyone the opportunity to not consent to being recorded. Correct. And that was the case where they can do it, but we can't. You know, but regular you know ordinary people. They can't. should have subpoenaed the police uh, video files that, that are recording everything in the jail. And remember, the jail is the panopticon in a sense, sort of the Jeremy Benton invention of the all-seeing eye that keeps the prisoners under surveillance. And what you have to realize is that in a case like this, 
the police would have to, in a legal case, they'd have to turn over the videos of what actually happened if they were recording it. And the fact is, if they say, oh, the video is lost, or oh, the mm-hmm. video is deleted, <laughs> or oh, there was a malfunction, that's virtually a smoking gun that says that uh, they're not complying. And but, but the perjury is the best thing. That's where any attorney, if I had a law degree and a bar, uh, you know, I was able to practice before the bar, I would actually take that case. And I would uh, sue the uh, uh, police officers after, the ones that perjured themselves. I would immediately then do a civil case against them. Not to mention the false arrest. Their yeah. car, their, uh, the whole bit, including their pension. You know, the police have that uh, national pension fund, the Fraternal Order of Police. I would definitely attempt to attach that with, uh, uh, you know, a lien. And then if, if everyone started doing that, you'd see the whole system. Things would change. Oh, you better believe they would change in an instant. Thanks for the call, you know, Frank. No. If these people could be held accountable. <laughs> Right. <laughs> they would start if, behaving. If, a bi- the, very big if, right? Very right, big if. if. We're trying to look at the, their maybe own when. people to hold them accountable. Which well, is maybe, the, maybe when. Maybe you know. when they're finally held accountable. These but, but, but like I said, I, I, I have some optimism. I just reported on a case where it did finally happen, where there was this overt case of police abuse. And this, seems, time time. this seems like it again, another overt case of police abuse where they've been caught red-handed. They decided to play chicken and push this all the way to court when they really shouldn't have. They didn't have a case. And, uh, and I hope it bites them in the ass. You know, really if do. there's one place, Dale, where a law degree would be useful in this whole situation is after the fact with a, with a lawsuit afterwards. I don't mm-hmm. think having a lawyer would have helped them at all. No, today. I think they did very well defending themselves. They did have they did have advice. Well, they, they, had, they had what they call advice. standby counsel, where yeah. they have basically lawyers in their corner, but the lawyers aren't asking the questions. Right, the and that's aren't. I think that's the way I would do it. If yeah. I had a case like this, I would have advice, but I know that the lawyer their loyalties are compromised. That's Correct. just the way the system's set up. They, there's all these there's all these pledges that they have made. To, to the court. To, yes. Uh, the, the, their, their, their loyalties are compromised. Their loyalty is to the court before to you because they can lose their – They can lose, lose their a bar license. Yeah. Or, uh, and, and they can have that thing pulled for the slightest of uh, offenses. Yep. So if, for instance, it was during Adamo's opening statement, I believe, when he mentioned – or it's, it was some point early on when he mentioned that uh, you know, he was facing years in prison as a result of these charges – that alone probably could have gotten a lawyer thrown out of a case, if not uh, disbarred. Right. Because one of the rules in a trial like this is you're not supposed to uh, clue the jury into what the potential punishment is. Right. And to it, me, it, that's I guess one of the most... idea is it could bias them. It's like, what? They're gonna, they, they can go to jail for five years because yeah. he made a call on his cell phone? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which is why we're standing out front with a sign that says one of us had a uh, five years yeah. for recording uh, sign. And I, you know, and th- I was thinking about this too. Like, I, you know, someone like like us, you and I both have a pretty strong conviction against violence, and especially, you know, we're, we're constantly speaking out against it. Of course, to 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 to, to no avail, it seems sometimes, but. But we, we in particular don't want blood on our own hands, mm-hmm. right? You know, as a juror, if I were in a juror's position, and I wouldn't be inclined to accept that because it would be the opportunity, I think, in so many cases, so many of these cases are victimless crimes, it would be an opportunity for nullification. I would absolutely partake of that. And I, I feel like I have a ch- an opportunity to save an innocent person. So, I, but I think of myself on a jury, you know, I imagine a case where maybe I, they, it's a, maybe a murder case or something like that, and... They're not telling me that this is potentially a death penalty case, mm. you know, and I'm sitting here thinking I'm going to be I may as well be one of the people pulling the switch. If yeah. I'm a juror who convicts the person and and the penalty is death penalty, then then I as a juror, I want like I don't want blood on my hands. You'd need to tell me, 
you know, what's going on here? Well, let, let's get into this blood on your hands thing a little more because I actually had a question for you. You're a Quaker. You're probably more of a Quaker than I am. You should go to the meetings, <laughs> and uh, and I haven't gone in quite a while. Most of them. <laughs> but my question is about the idea of bringing charges. We just had Frank mm-hmm. on a moment ago, and he was saying, bring charges and you know hold them accountable. And you were talking about a case where uh, a bar was uh, harassed by the police, and they ended up uh, countersuing and bringing and getting settlement of uh, like a million dollars. So on one hand, it'd be great to see these activists made whole, and maybe that's the excuse to do it. But on the other hand, don't you feel like that's continuing the cycle of violence? Uh, that's some thought. To put, I'll we'll put think some about it. We'll talk that, about it here yeah. in a moment. 800-259-9231. That's always been my biggest objection, the idea of keeping it going, continuing this process of aggression. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. You know the U.S. dollar is devaluing. You can see it happening every day. You know a new currency will take over at some point. Wouldn't you like to be in on the ground floor? Bitcoins. They're a decentralized, anonymous internet currency. They're free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use them anywhere in the world, and their value seems only to be increasing. Find out more at weusecoins.org. Don't be kicking yourself in the pants in a month. Your dollars are going down. Bitcoins are going up. Weusecoins.org. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever you would like at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. Features including... The news updates. You get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. You'll find out first. If you're on our updates list, you can go and get them via email or Twitter. Facebook is also an option. Whatever works best for you, go to news.freetalklive.com to accomplish that. That's news.freetalklive.com. And SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you, so their staff is respectful. They record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy, so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. As we go, we'll come back to this moral question of uh, whether or not to counter-sue in a case of government abuse. Uh, but first, let's talk to Brian listening in Indiana. Brian, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Dale. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, Brian, what's on your mind tonight? Um, I have a friend who wants to get on food stamps, and I'm uh, trying to talk him out of it. Okay. And, uh, well, he thinks it'll help the government collapse a bit faster if more <laughs> people get on food stamps. Yeah, I don't know if and, that. Uh, I don't know if there's much to that particular argument. Uh, certainly, there are a lot of people on food stamps and a lot of people on government welfare of various different types. I don't know if there's. I don't know how likely that is. Well, he doesn't. I don't think he really financially needs it. But like oh, really? I said, he thinks it'll collapse. Yeah. Um, that seems like a crappy excuse. Think- like, I could understand well, if you were having a hard time and you paid in a bunch of money into the system. I don't blame anybody for taking whatever government handout is available because you were forced to pay into their system. What's the big deal if you take uh, something back out of it? 
but to take something when you know you aren't on the you know if it isn't hard times for you that just seems like that just seems like mooching to me well i i told him uh he he seems to think that you know with 40 to 50% that's stolen from everybody in taxes and whatnot he'd be taking some of his back and yeah. i asked him uh what what point does he reach in food stamps where he thinks he's got the stolen money back for him mm-hmm. i can't imagine ever getting there with food stamps <laughs> i mean it's a lot i i, I can t- kind of relate to that position i can understand that position I, I would not feel quite comfortable doing that but i don't i also don't feel i really don't feel like lecturing someone else yeah because the whole uh, i mean i i guarantee you there are so many people abusing food stamps the, the fact the program exists uh, the, is is so ridiculous um i just you know, it's 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 as good as a good as a a good, as an, good excuse an excuse as any, I suppose. Well, are you looking to try to convince him that this isn't going to uh, eliminate the government? I mean, what is your your goal? Well, uh, back to him. He 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 agrees with a lot of the uh, government oppression. You know, not just in this country, but everywhere. But he thinks that if people allow money to be stolen from them and taxation and other forms of you know, permission slips with uh, licensing or firearms carry. If we allow it, then something you know, something like this should be taken advantage of to speed up. Like I said, the government collapse. But um, you I know, him, I can uh, understand his point. I don't know if I believe it will do anything. I can also understand why he's doing it. He feels like he's paid in, so he feels like it's no big deal if he takes it back out. What I would caution, however, is that to to anybody who loves liberty, this is a valid excuse to say, well, I paid a bunch of money in, and so therefore I can take some out. I think that's valid. Uh, But at the same time, be very, very careful. Because when you're taking welfare of any form, whenever you sign up for any kind of government program, you are signing away your freedom. You are saying that uh, there's usually strings attached. Yeah, you better believe yeah. there are strings attached. Now, I don't know what the strings are attached to the food stamps program. I've never had taken food stamps in my life. I've never taken any government welfare except for when I was a kid. I went and I got a scholarship to college. I think that's the one time that uh, that I can recall that I took government welfare. And uh, and I don't believe there were too many strings attached to that, but you never know what you're getting into as far as what they might require of you. I mean, is it worth it to I, him to, for it's instance, true. let's let's ask this: Is it worth it to you to give up all of your financial information to the government? Because that may be a requirement. Like, well, if you know you're poor, and, then and if you're hiding it. anything and it comes out, then you've lied on their paperwork, which mm-hmm. is a huge deal. Yeah. So, how does he feel about that? Well, I I didn't think about that to debate with him. That's what I I'll, that's uh, what I would ask about in that particular case. Uh, anything else you want to share tonight? Well, I I, I told him uh, I told him about Harry Brown and the book uh, Why Government Doesn't Work, and I asked him if he would read that and put off this decision to get food stamps, and mm-hmm. you know until he gets the book read because I know there was a, at least one chapter in there where they had a whole page of welfare programs that the average person that doesn't really need them qualifies for. And he said, as long as as long as I called in Free Talk Live tonight, he would give it some thought. Very good. Now you've done it, and uh, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Yeah, I, I had some thoughts on that, this whole sort of strings attached things thing. I recall uh, someone being caught up in the 
jail system potentially might have to go to jail and they're asking them for instance when you uh what their address is and stuff like that and i and i was like well why don't you just tell them that you're couch surfing that you're essentially homeless Mm -hmm. and he says well if, if you do that then there's all these programs that you get forced to get into and that can mean that can mean uh that they might make you for instance take a they might Find work for you and make you take a job and wow. things like that. It's some outrageous stuff that I really had no idea. I'm like, seriously, you're not allowed to be homeless. Like, it's illegal if you get caught in the jail system, and you know, if you if you if you, just over a minor thing, a minor transgression. But if you're in you're in the court system and you you basically say I'm homeless, then there's a, you will get volunteered into some programs, whether you like it or not. It sounds like, and that that just kind of blew my mind. Speaking of being poor and uh, filling out government forms, there's an update on our friend Jim Johnson, who uh, we've been talking about a lot over the last couple, almost three weeks now, on the program. He's been in jail that long because he didn't want to pay a government fine for a trespass charge. He was found guilty by that jury. Remember the jury I was talking about earlier, Juror Jim Tells All? You can go yeah. and search that video on freekeen.com. That was one of the jurors that convicted Jim Johnson of trespass for being at the jail and walking around the jail, something that you and I were also arrested for in that very same day. Uh, the, we, however, didn't get a jury trial because they dropped our charge to a violation at the very I end of our trial. I think specifically to prevent us from being able to get a jury trial because Jim right. decided to go on and do that. And then we got to us, they're like, oh, we don't want them all going and get jury trials. Yep, exactly. And so Jim was told to pay $650 in a fine. He didn't. He was called back into court to explain why, and he said he's not going to pay. And the judge, the man in the robe, said, well, you need to fill out this financial affidavit so we can know whether you can pay or not. As to whether that matters. No, no, no. It's not whether I can pay or not. It's I'm not going to pay. Right. He's, pay- he's not paying Moral from reasons. a principled perspective. It's a, a principled reason, yeah. And so the man in the robe put Jim Johnson in a cage and said, you will stay in this cage until, and I'm paraphrasing, until you fill out my form. Yeah. But it didn't end there because Jim filled the form out. Yeah. I'll tell you what happened here in a moment. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of these airwaves. We are a long way away from freedom. <laughs> Seriously, there's a lot to do. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Ovaltine. Give your kids the nutrition they need to be their best. Visit us at OvaltineUSA.com. Telling your child about healthy food choices is important, but showing her what to eat goes a lot further. Have her help create the grocery list, then bring her to the store with you. Picking out healthy foods together helps kids get in the habit of thinking about what they're eating every day. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash Your Family Today. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features there for free. You can go and listen online if you like or listen in a variety of different venues because we have multiple ways for you to get Free Talk Live in your ears. If you go to listen.freetalklive.com, you'll get a list of them, including the live streams that are online around the clock. The latest episode of Free Talk Live airs 24-7 over at listen.freetalklive.com, plus our 108 great radio stations across the country that air the show at various times throughout the week. Satellite listening options like XM Satellite Radio. We've got two channels that we're on up there, uh, plus there is our free-to-air satellite channel as well for you. In addition, our webcam, which has been a little spotty over the last week, Uh, 
because we've been ironing out some bugs, but it is up right now. It camped I, out free time. I flashed my abs on it. Ooh, that's right. Uh, so you get a little bonuses from time to time there. And also listen lines that allow you to call in from any phone that can dial long distance and listen that way. Details are all at listen.freetalklive.com. Ian told me not to moon anyone on the cam, though. It's probably a violation of the terms of service. Not because yeah. I am a prude or anything like right, that. Right, I know. Uh, so, well, we, I want to get back to this issue of uh, bringing charges after you've been acquitted of, you know, if, if the police have false arrested you or something like that. But first, an update on uh, Jim Johnson. We've been talking about it for weeks. He's been thrown in a jail cell because he wouldn't fill out a form. He wouldn't fill out the, what they call a financial affidavit. So the state agents could dig into his bank account or whatever personal financial information he might have. They're demanding this information from him. And when he refused to turn it over, instead saying he just wasn't going to pay the fine, so put me in jail at 50 bucks a day, as they do here in New Hampshire. Uh, yeah. The, and that that's how he I, I think to it's a fine. statute that specifically says that's your right to do that. Well, apparently uh, we the up- to, maybe we need to I don't know follow a motion and clear and show this. I don't know what to do, and that's what I've been asking about. We've been talking about over at the Freekeen forum at forum.freekeen.com, and that's where I'm getting this update from from his wife Lauren. But first, before I uh, share what she has to say, there was also somebody else who went and talked to Jim last week, determined that apparently he filled out that financial affidavit last Tuesday. So almost a week ago, he filled out the financial affidavit. He he decided, fine, I'll fill out your damn form. This judge has a vendetta, doesn't he? So he fills out the form. Presumably that gets sent immediately to the judge. It, it should have been probably to his desk by that, that evening or the next day. I went into court on Friday last week. And I attempted to pull Jim's file because we wanted to see what the judge, what order the judge had written and put in his file about what Jim's status was and all that. And so I pulled his file, or I tried to pull his file, and I was told I couldn't have it because it's on the judge's desk because he filled up. I'm told this by the court uh, uh, employees that, yeah. well, he filled out the form, so the file's been pulled. It's now on the judge's desk, and he's going to rule on it. And so this means that it's moving forward. It made me feel like, okay, well, you know, it's, I, I'm sure nobody likes that he filled out the form. I mean, I know he doesn't like that he filled out the form. Uh, but this means maybe he'll get to in front of the judge and maybe he'll get out of jail. So I'm thinking, good news. I'm thinking Monday morning, maybe Jim's going to be in court. And so I reported this information. And, well, it turns out that, again, the, the he had filed it on Tuesday. So it took them an entire week. The judge waited. The judge had said in the court that he was... He was going to come back when the form was filled out, but didn't do anything about it until almost an entire week later when this morning they dragged Jim into court again. You know, they they chain him up. They bring him into court. According to his wife, Lauren, the judge still wants his money even after he filled out the form. Jim asked why he can't pay the fine through jail time. The judge says they don't do that here, that if Jim promised to pay, he would let him out. Jim said the citizens of Cheshire County will have to pay then, and they brought him back to jail. Wow. How long are they going to keep this man who is completely peaceful, who has not harmed another human being? How long are they going to keep him in a cage? He filled out the form, which is what they demanded of him, but they're still caging him. It's so sick. Yeah. And if you think for a moment, well, this can't happen where I live. You just don't understand. You just you don't know. I the think system. it happens all the time, and it just doesn't get out. I That's mean, right. it's, only, it's only fortunate that there are people paying attention this time. People care and talking here. about this uh, in public 
uh, mediums like this, right? So, so that people can find out about this. I think it happens all the time. Also, it was very sneaky of them to schedule this for Monday morning because I had called on Friday afternoon at three fifty in the afternoon, ten minutes before they closed, for the purpose of finding out whether there was a hearing scheduled. And I thought, okay, well, they haven't scheduled a hearing yet. It's 3.50 in the afternoon on Friday, so that means it's probably not going to be scheduled until Monday, meaning that when the judge gets back in, because he's got to, supposedly has a stack of cases that he's uh, looking through, according to the court bureaucrats. So I was going to contact them again today to find out if they had scheduled this. But apparently they went ahead and scheduled it for Monday morning, yeah. and, uh, and so nobody knew about it. Yet uh, apparently the word it's did another get thing up. they're very prone to do. Sneaky. They Sneaky did, they, tricks. They, they, yeah, they don't want – they don't – well, right. The last time they had a crowd of people in there, they had me in there with a video camera, and it was a scene. I mean, yeah. you can see the you can see the footage over at freekeen.com, and it was that scene that actually led them to ban uh, cameras and audio devices from the court. So there are a lot of serious problems out there, and I honestly I wish I had an answer for it. Which brings us back around to this idea of countersuing. Uh, you know, you've got a case where the government people have clearly done something wrong. They've been uh, they've been found to have mischarged somebody, to have uh, arrested somebody falsely, as they've done with Pete Nadamo, for instance, or or Jim. Or there's no shortage of these cases. But Dale is a Quaker, as somebody who believes in peace and non-aggression, as a liberty-minded person. Do you feel like it's right to counter Sue? You know, I really, honest, I honestly don't feel like I have that much of a moral objection to it. My my biggest beef is just a lack of faith in it, lack mm-hmm. of any faith that there's much hope in it, because it's you're you're counting on the system, which is not is not designed to, for justice uh, in, in the first place to 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 try and rescue you. Uh, as far as the morality of it, um, something was brought up to me that made a lot of sense, especially if you're specifically directing it at government bureaucrats. Mm-hmm. You know, these are people. These are people who. You know, we're, we are, we're constantly reminding people we didn't volunteer for this system. We don't believe in this system. Uh, we don't believe in this constitution. We, you know, we're essentially secessionists if we got the opportunity. Um, but but these people have signed on. <laughs> I mean, the they, government they, they, yeah, this, this is a system that they have wholeheartedly accepted as being valid, and they've made right. pledges and all this stuff. They've signed on. And so I'm looking at them. I, I look at those. If, it's, if you're talking direct, specifically about these people— and directing these lawsuits at these people, they, they've they've volunteered for it. They've accepted the consequences. So I don't really have a moral beef with with suing the government. You don't feel like it's continuing a cycle of violence? No, I I don't. Uh, I don't think so. No, I mean, uh, again, it's it's you see part of the reason why it's a cycle of violence. For instance, when the government comes after you, uh, is you, the only reason it's not resulting in violence is because you immediately obey. Right, and there's no violence as long as you obey. As if you comply, there's no violence. And in this case, they are—they've already again signed on the line, they're, and, and expressed their intention to comply. There's no reason to expect any kind of violence from it. There's—it's—it's uh, it's a case. The violence comes from when they're enforcing their own laws against people that don't necessarily believe in it. If you actually decide, if you intend to disobey, even though you're being peaceful, we know, for instance, if we disobey long enough, that it will result. It will result possibly get escalated to the point of death. Mm-hmm. You know, you just say, I'm not going to pay my taxes. 
Well, first they'll send you letters, and then they'll send you overdue letters, and then they'll charge interest, and then they'll try to tap into your bank account, and if they fail at that, it'll get, it'll get escalated until they're coming after you with guns and possibly killing you if you resist going into a cage. So that's where the violence comes from. These people have signed on to the line. Well, but just because they've signed you know? on to the line of violence, does that make it all right for you to go ahead and use violence against them? I mean, isn't that essentially what you're doing? They've consented. They're they bureaucrats. To whatever the, they, they've bought into the system. They signed they've signed online. They've made the pledges. Possible consequences are. Uh, uh, yeah, they have. Yeah. They've they've said this system is valid. They mm-hmm. have, for all practical purposes, as 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 much as you possibly can. So this is a valid system. I subject myself to all of its rules and laws and procedures. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they've consented to whatever. It's an interesting point. Your thoughts are certainly welcome at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. I just kind of feel like it's not exactly turning the other cheek. More on the way. You can take control. 800-259-9231. Bring up what you want. But if it works, free talk live. I've started playing a new online game. It's called Mine Things. It's a free online mining game. It's all in your browser. There's nothing to download. Your little mining robot guy can mine for you 24-7. You don't even need to be logged in. You compete with other players for resources in a capitalist economy. The virtually mined gold demonstrates the concept of sound money and is exchanged between players tax-free. They even accept bitcoins. Go to MineThings.com, use coupon code FTL, and double your mining speed. It's free. MineThings.com. Talk Live, you can bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free. That number is 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features there for free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. And uh, if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, you like the fact the website's free, then you can voluntarily support us by becoming an amplifier. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to get signed up for as little as three bucks a month. What do we do with the money? We reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations across the country, bringing more internet listeners on board, exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. So head on over to amp.freetalklive.com. You'll learn more about the program there. Get signed up with any major credit card through PayPal or use Visa or MasterCard right on our website and get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, AMP-only forum, podcast, and more. All the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com. And the Ruger Gunsight Scout Rifle is an affordable, versatile, and reliable rifle. It'll deliver 10 rounds of 308 Winchester performance in a variety of situations. It's compact, lightweight, and accommodates a host of optics. It's a serious rifle for those serious about rifles. The perfect do-it-all bolt-action rifle, where rugged, reliable Ruger meets the practical tactical. The Ruger, Ruger Gunsight Scout Rifle, the one rifle to have if you could have only one. That's Ruger.com. 800-259-9231 is our number here. Uh, Story out of CNN Money at uh, CNN.com. Buffeted by high taxes, strict regulations, and uncertain state budgets, a growing number of California companies are seeking friendlier business environments outside of the Golden State. You're not the only one who's left California, Dale. (laughs) Um, That's exactly why I was leaving. I knew that there was a financial catastrophe on its way. Governors around the country smelling blood in the water have stepped up their courtship of those California companies. Companies are disinvesting in California at a rate five times greater than just two years ago, according to a business relocation expert based in Irvine. 
This includes leaving altogether, establishing divisions elsewhere, or opting not to set up shop in California in the first place. He says there's a feeling that the state is not stable. Sacramento can't get its act together, and that includes the governor, legislators, and regulatory agencies that are running wild. The state's been ranked by Chief Executive Magazine as the worst place to do business for seven years. That's even worse than New York State. California, once a business-friendly state, continues to conduct war on its own economy, according to the magazine. And so, let's see. Let me just repeat this one more time. Businesses are disinvesting from California at a rate five times greater than just two years ago. That's huge. I bailed. I jumped ship. Yeah, maybe you should consider leaving California as well. Uh, New Hampshire's a nice destination, (laughs) whether you're a business owner or not. If you love freedom, you definitely want to get the hell out of California. And we actually, uh, I met somebody from New York today. Somebody had come over here for Pete Nadamo's trial uh, from New York, and he was talking about moving to Keene. And he says that New York has changed a lot in just the, you know, the few decades that he's been alive he's noticed a big change in what uh, what new york state is like so i just i kind of wanted to bring that up to preface what you're going to tell us about uh, dale which is a major retailer going completely out of business belly up mm-hmm. gone and uh even they're going out of business is not going well oh boy <laughs> uh borders is shutting down the entire chain of border stores it appears it's going to be finally shutting we're shutting down, down the borders <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if only it were those borders. This is uh, top stories in business from the Wall Street Journal, and it says that uh, they're going to liquidate after the, uh, it's the it's the second large, largest U.S. bookstore chain failed to receive any offers to save it. Hmm. It employs ten thousand seven hundred people. So Barnes and Noble must be number one then. I wonder. Yeah, maybe. That's my guess. Yeah. Because they're talking specifically referring to chains, and so yep. I wouldn't refer to like online sellers like Amazon. Correct. And stuff. Um, they, they, they employ 10,700 people. They scrapped a bankruptcy court auction because, uh, there was a dearth of bids. Whew. So it, even their bankruptcy wasn't going well. <laughs> oh dear. Um, said that it would ask a judge Thursday to approve a sale to liquidators. So, um, that's going to be led by Hilco Merchant Resources and Gordon Brothers Group. So the liquidation of its remaining 399 stores could start as soon as Friday. It's expected to go out of business for good by the end of September. Man. Well, it'll be a good time to get yourself a nice deal on a book that you've been uh, looking for. But is this a sign of the times? I think it is. Is it is it this difficult for all bookstores or is it just that, you know, this one was a corporate behemoth and had too much debt? Well, I think I think it's I think it's a sign of the economy right now, but it's also probably a change, a sign of. Changes like a lot of more pe- a lot of people are downloading ebooks, mm-hmm. you know, or ordering books online. I mean, how many how many people are actually go to a bookstore and, and browse around a bookstore and their book maybe isn't even there and worse when they can get when online was the last and time have you were it in there? snap. And, when, when was the last time you were in a bookstore? Uh, it oh gosh, it's been I don't know if it's been a year, but maybe mm-hmm. almost mm. or half a year, maybe. Since it's I've certainly been a while. Walked for into me. a bookstore. It it has been a while for me. Yeah. I mean, I've been in a used bookstore. But not, not really a brand new bookstore for any particular reason. And no, those I'm are just sorry. my speculations, by the way. When I say ebooks and people buying books online, I, that's well, that's just my own speculation. I bet you're right. I mean, like you say, it's speculation. I'm not in the book business, so I don't pay close attention to that stuff. But if you look at what's happening with newspapers, they're having a tough time. The daily papers are struggling. A lot of them have gone out of business. Yep. Uh, a lot of them couldn't find anybody to buy well, up their operations either. 
As it turns out, the article is also referencing that the the, the popularity of ebooks, for instance, and just a changing book industry in general. Does it so. give any numbers as far as? Well, that? let's see. Um, because I can just tell you uh, that in the radio world, the people in the radio business are constantly talking about this. I mean, they're looking at the uh, folks on, that are listening online. In fact, I just saw some statistics recently. I think it was like 80 million Americans have listened to online radio within a certain time period. I don't recall what it is. I don't have the, the statistics in front of me right now. But those numbers are increasing. I mean, every year, more and more people are listening to radio online. Now, that's not to say that radio is dying at this point because it's still a fairly mobile medium. It's very difficult for most people to get a decent internet, reliable internet signal inside their car. But that's changing over time. That's going to change very rapidly, I imagine, over the next few years. It's going to get more and more inexpensive and commonplace for someone to have portable internet devices. But even on my cell phone, like, for instance, when Mark and I come back from uh, – we were driving back from New York City. Uh, we were at a radio convention. Wanted to listen to Free Talk Live on the way home because, you know, we weren't on. Our co-hosts were in. And it's, sure. fun, to, it's fun to listen to your own show <laughs> as, a, as a listener. And so, uh, so you know, we tuned in on uh, my cell phone. But uh, unfortunately, the battery was dying. And so, you know, kind of had to deal with that. And <laughs> You on don't the have other, a car charger for your cell phone? You know, I ended up digging up a USB cable because it's just one of okay. those USB things and plugged it into the stereo, which also had a USB. And that kind of saved us there. But you're still dropping in and out of cells. And it's hard to it was hard to keep like a consistent signal. But that's only going to get better with time. I mean, technology yeah. will solve these problems. Yeah. And so the radio industry is eyeballing these Internet uh, techs. In fact, what you see happening is big radio companies like CBS are buying up uh, the, these internet companies, like these people that have paved the way in internet, in the world of internet broadcasting, in some cases are being gobbled up by the old radio behemoths in, a, in an attempt for them to stay relevant, in an attempt to stay on the, on the yeah, well, good for them, I mean, for, for at least seeing that they need to do something different. Yeah, uh, well, that's what I'm wondering, are they actually, are they, they're not just dismantling them or cannibalizing them, they're actually trying to continue the online yeah. Uh, co- content? They are. They okay. Are. I was wondering if they're just trying to like stifle it by buying them up and then that's not what I'm seeing so that people will keep listening to radio. No, okay. I think they they know what's coming. I mean, okay. it's, it's pretty obvious that they need to change or die. Yeah, it would be, it'd be an awful expensive, awfully ex- expensive endeavor to just buy them up just to dismantle them and cannibalize them. I right, think. because then somebody else could just do the same thing yeah. and compete with them. So, uh, so yeah, I'm sure these booksto- booksellers are just sweating uh, around the collar about what's happening out there, and it's got to be very, very disturbing to them, especially when you get Amazon just chomping in on their uh, their profit margins. I mean, Amazon is a, is a behemoth. I remember I was watching this video of the founder of Amazon giving a speech on the TED Talks website, TED. Uh-huh. I still don't know what TED stands for, but they've got some really great videos on there. And he was talking about how in the beginning he was being trashed on, like magazines were writing hit pieces against him and how Amazon was going to fail and Amazon didn't fail. And look what they've done. You know, they've created this retail marketing behemoth that is almost unstoppable out there because they don't have to deal with the, uh, the brick and mortar locations. I mean, Amazon has some warehouses, fulfillment centers around the country that they have to operate, but it doesn't matter where those are located. Whereas Borders, who's going out of business here by the end of September, uh, Borders, 10,000-plus employees. I didn't, it didn't mention how many store locations there were, but I bet that number's in that article as well. But I would imagine a few hundred stores going to shut down. Yeah. Uh, they've got to have ideal locations. They've got to have prime real oh, estate. Oh, yeah. They that talked costs. about that some in the article. Yeah, by the co- way, it's technology entertainment design. TED oh, Talks. TED, gotcha. 
800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves, your thoughts on the book business, publishing business. It sure has changed a lot, especially with the advent of self-publishing. That's another point. Oh, We're yeah. Coming up, Hour three's next. Free Talk Live. Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid, and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high-priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com. Talk Live. You can take control of these airwaves. Dial in toll-free. Bring up anything you want. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features there for free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Dale. And we've got all kinds of stuff to talk about here, but we're in the midst of a discussion, for those of you just tuning in, about... The book business, because Borders is not going to be in business much longer. It's the second largest book distributor, the book ch- uh, second largest book chain, retail chain in the country. And they're about to be done. At the end of September, uh, no one would buy their assets. And what, what was it that they were or, at an auction? Or not very many. They weren't getting many offers. They were, they were basically, yeah, it's like a liquidation, a bankruptcy court auction. Mm-hmm. They scrapped it because there was a dearth of bids. Yep. So they're just going to go out of business. Yeah. Like, like it's Circuit City. They're gonna. They're, well, there's. There. I guess there. There's going to be a sale to liquidators. So it's going to be an even more brutal process of liquidation than an auction. Um, it's yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty sad. So. Uh, so this is big news, especially for people in the publishing business. And publishing is something that has changed dramatically over the last two decades. Uh, first of all, you look at the advent of uh, – and who was it talking about this? I think it was actually Gardner Goldsmith having a discussion about this with somebody on his show at libertyconspiracy.com because Gardner does some writing as well. Uh, but they were pointing out that you know first you had the, the word processor, which of course completely changed the publishing business because, well, you no longer had to tap things out on a – uh, on a typewriter and go back with whiteout or correctional tape to uh, you know to, <laughs> yeah. to edit your you could, mistakes. Really, yeah, you could. Yeah, it's it's almost like the printing press. That, it really you know. is. The word processing was incredibly revolutionary to uh, the publishing industry because it allowed you to completely change the way books were written. And then, of course, the internet changed and the cost and you know the the availability of uh, self publishing tools really started to change the game. And now you've got online distribution of products as well, uh, which, again, all of these things, costs are coming down. The costs of actually creating books, the costs of publishing books, the cost of uh, – all of these costs are, are coming down. And yeah. the cost of distributing uh, books. And Matt is actually on the line in Illinois. Matt, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dale and Ian. Hey there. How are you Hi. guys tonight? Go yeah. ahead with your thoughts. Doing well. Um, well <laughs> – Interesting that you're talking about this uh, topic. Um, I uh, started writing long ago, and I remember banging out a book on an electric typewriter. And I was happy that it was an electric typewriter and not an old manual one. Mm -hmm. 
Was that the one I where you could like my... write a? Would that was that the type where you could essentially write a line and then the the typewriter would just type the whole thing out? That's the word processor that okay. I got. No, this was you type you you hit the key and it went and it hit the paper. I see. And if okay. you made a mis- if you made a mistake on this one, you could uh, go back and uh, press the button again. As a mistake, you'd hold a different button down, and it would put white out. It had a white out strip below the ink strip. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen the kind so that actually that, have just a backspace button that figures out what key. You know, I guess it probably memorized the last few keys you'd press, and you could white out backspace, go plat plat plat, and it would white it out, and then you yeah. could type a new letter in the place of it. <laughs> right, right. It was something like that. Um, but I, I did want to talk uh, about the publishing industry. Now, I, I I just found out, and this was less than five minutes ago, while I've been on the phone with you waiting to go online, uh, I just got an email from my publisher, and she is going ahead with my latest book, and hopefully it'll be out sometime in September. And it will come out as an e-book only, mm-hmm. unless I purchase copies directly from the uh, the printer. And I would have to purchase at least 100 copies, and I would get it at 30% off the cover price. Got it. So um, th- that's how how they're doing those. But um, she hasn't sold many books. My publisher hasn't sold many books uh, over the last couple of years. In fact, last year she sold a total of two books. Well, and, clearly uh, this isn't a very big publisher, right? Books. I mean, please yeah. describe this publisher for me. She's a small, a small publisher. Uh, it's called Rockway, Pre- Rock, Rockway Press. And um, what is it that she, is valuable about her to you? I mean, what what can she do that you can't? Um, well, she's a real press, so her money was going to go into uh, when I signed the contract with her was going to go into the printing, the initial printing of the book which at the time when I signed the contract with her was pretty expensive and it was a, a big outlay and I didn't have that outlay. And I just kind of uh, stuck with her because um, kind of a loyalty thing. Can she uh, do something as far as promotion is concerned that you can't do? Not really, but what, what she has done is she's given me uh, editorial advice and uh, help me make changes to the book that should make the book better. And uh, and how uh, does she readable. stand? So she's just simply a printing press, basically. Well, not anymore because she's she's not doing the print version. She's just doing the ebook versions. I so see. The, she also designs the cover. Uh, so she, she well, hold on. So book. so she maybe she helps sell the ebook. Like, is it listed on her website, or is she promoting that somehow to be sold? Yeah, it'll be uh, promoted on her website. I need to make a website for it. It'll be uh, available at Amazon. Uh, it'll see. be available at Barnes and Noble. It'll so is she facilitates? So, the- so she's kind of facilitating those deals, like setting you up with Amazon, setting you up with Barnes and Noble, that kind of thing. Correct. Correct. She so would you would like facilitator not, not be a, a better? Do that, huh. I'm sorry. Would would a facilitator be a, or or an agent be a better term? Because it doesn't seem like she's doing much of a publishing kind of a job. At least not as what I thought think of as a publisher. Um, an agent? No, an agent wouldn't do any of that. An agent would find me a publisher. Gotcha. That's all an agent would do. <laughs> well, uh, I see. Uh, so, like, 
like I said, I, I could have done this on my own. Got it. It, it, it is possible. Um, I'm counting on her and her connections to to be more, you know, to open up more doors for me, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, she is a, a critically acclaimed, acclaimed writer in her own right. She's written some critically acclaimed books. Um and she's done other things with uh, movies and stuff like that. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So that's that's interesting to see how uh, somebody like her and maybe a different – she's not one of the major publishers out there. So what kind of role she plays in making these things happen today, which, as you said, you could do some of this stuff yourself. It would be a little more time-consuming for you to do it yourself. You don't know all the right people, and she does. So she's still in a position of uh, you know being able to offer something that, that you can't necessarily do. Duplicate, right? And um, yeah, there are advantages to to, to keeping her around, and it, it is it's a, it is a loyalty thing. I'm loyal to the you know the people that I that are loyal to me. So, um, but there is a little interesting uh, little notice that I got here back in February. Well, actually, back in April, but it says ebook sales growth showed no signs of letting up in February, mm. increasing at an even faster rate than they did in January. According to AAP's monthly sales estimates, and AAP is the uh, American Association of Publishers, okay. ebook sales jumped 202.3 percent at the 16 crap. publishers. Yeah, at the 16 publishers that reported results, hitting 90.3 million. The rest of the trade segments, however, had all declined in the month, with adult hardcover sales plummeting 43 percent. To wow. 46.2 million. Whew. So there's there's the Whoa. answer as to why Borders is having a problem. Hold on. That's one month to another month that you're talking about? Correct. Wow, that's huge. One month to ah. another month. Holy so, <laughs> Oh, gosh. Latest. That's tripling. And that's this year. That's 2011. That's 2011. That's from uh, January to February. Unbelievable. And those are the latest numbers Tell you that what, I have. I've been... I keep seeing the deals on Kindles get better and better. <laughs> yep, that's right. Right. I haven't and, bought and one yet. That's another thing that I don't think Borders has. I know they have their own e-reader, but the Barnes & Noble Nook is doing pretty well, my yep. understanding is. That's what I've heard. Hey, thanks so. for the call, Matt. I appreciate the insider uh, scoop there, and thank you. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Times are changing, and maybe faster than you thought. 1-800-259-9231. You take control. Share your thoughts. Bring up anything. Free Talk Live. You already know that you can support Free Talk Live and the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund by starting your Amazon or Newegg shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. But did you know that you can also spend bitcoins at Amazon or Newegg? That's right. Start your Amazon or Newegg shopping at spendbitcoins.com, and you can buy just about anything with bitcoins. So if you're using fiat currency, start all your shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. But when you want to spend bitcoins, start all your bitcoin shopping at spendbitcoins.com. That's spendbitcoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything you want. 800-259-9231. And it's brought to you by SACL CAI. You can join us online and enjoy the mobile site. If you've got a smartphone, you can grab our streams real fast by going to m.freetalklive.com. M as in mobile.freetalklive.com. Like the rest of our website, it's totally free. And you know those cigarettes are going to kill you, right? I'm sure you've been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try. If I were a cigarette smoker, I sure would, because 
I've seen them all over the place. They're popping up everywhere. There was a guy in court today at a demo in Pete's <laughs> try. Uh, I can't trial. believe they let him in with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's not smoke. Yeah. And they didn't say a, a boo to him about it. He was just sitting there in the you know one of the pews or the benches, whatever you want to call them, just vaping away. Yeah. And uh, they're they're getting popular, and people are talking about them, and they're feeling good because they are a healthier option, uh, twenty two thousand times healthier. And you can uh, check out vaporsmiths.com. They've got a great offer for you. It's a pack a day smoker will save one hundred and twenty dollars per month with this. So if you want to start being richer, feeling better, and smelling better. Well, then you need to go to Vaporsmiths.com. How about a free starter kit? Purchase 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL and get free shipping on orders of $60 or more. Call 855-2-GET-VAPOR. That's 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com. As we continue with you and your thoughts, Daryl's listening in Texas. Daryl, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Dale. Hi, Ian. Dale. Uh, Daryl, what's up? I want to talk to you about publishing real quick. Sure. Uh one of the things that most people don't realize about the big box store bookstores is that publishers actually rent shelf space. Huh. Okay. And in a roundabout way, what happens is the bookstore will order the books. And then anything that doesn't sell, the publishers buy back. So essentially they rent the shelf space. Interesting. So, so even with that setup, found, even with that setup, they're still failing. Yes. Wow. Because people are ordering more and more online. Right. The major bookstore from Alabama, which is where I am originally from, is Books a Million. Mm-hmm. The last several purchases that I've made from them were from their online store, not actually going into the store and making the purchase. Yeah, I don't remember the last so time I bought a, a lot, book in a, a bookstore. A lot more people actually, yeah, people are using the online versions, even if it's the online version of that store that they go to, you know, like Borders.com, mm-hmm. com, whatever. And the way that I actually found out how the publishing and bookstore stuff worked is when I actually started my own publishing company a couple of years ago. And the most expensive thing is the ISBN numbers. Really? Getting one of those and unique identifying numbers is the most expensive part about publishing a book? Yes. If you want to have your own publishing company name listed as the publisher, you have to purchase ISBN numbers. And there's only one company that you can buy those numbers from. <laughs> and they have a government-sanctioned monopoly. Wow. Yeah, and the company is called Balker. And a friend of mine, uh, Regan Dasolet, I believe is the last name, uh, she wrote a very good article that was carried by me on my blog, was carried by the Pirate Party, which is a political party that is opposed to IP. Right, they're out in they Sweden, correct? Uh, well, there is a U.S affiliate of that it's not gotten a whole lot of attention did they didn't they start in sweden though the pirate party uh i believe that the swedish affiliate is actually the biggest hmm. but it, okay. it started somewhere over in europe gotcha 
Now, okay, so what's the benefit of the ISBN number? Is it just so um, – is it that a bookseller won't carry a book without an ISBN number so it kind of gets you into this the system of official book distribution? Or what's the, what is the reason that a publisher or an author would want to acquire one of these numbers? Uh, pretty much no major book outlet will carry a book without an ISBN number. Gotcha. Like, you know, there, there's nothing stopping – you and Mark from starting, you know, Free Talk Publishing without ISBN numbers, printing the books at your own expense, and selling them wherever you go. Mm -hmm. But if you want Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Amazon, and places like that to carry your books, you pretty much need that ISBN number. So what are we talking about cost-wise? Well, the way that Bowker is set up, if you buy a single ISBN, just, you know, you want to publish one book, Mm -hmm. you buy one number, it's $125. Got it. Okay. If you go up in quantity, they take the price down. Okay. Meaning if you you get more than one number. Well, I wouldn't exactly say that's highway robbery. I mean, all that's, uh, considering what you're saying, that they are a monopoly, et cetera, $125 to be kind of inside the the book world doesn't seem like an insurmountable cost. Yeah, I mean, right. if you, I mean, I'm, th- if I'm thinking about how long an there, author there, spends there are... to write a book, and like 125 bucks, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Right. You know, it, it's not you know an exorbitant amount of money, but that is one of the costlier things, especially if you go the print-on-demand route, mm-hmm. which is the route that I've got because you know I'm not a wealthy man started up a company, you know, basically because I wanted to have my own imprint name on books that I printed or books that I got published for other people. And I've actually published a few books for other people. Uh, But, you know, I wanted to have that publishing name to give a little bit more legitimacy to what I do. Instead of having, you know, Create Space or Lulu or whoever the print on demand service is, instead of having their name, mm-hmm. I wanted my publishing name. So I had to buy a bulk of ISBN numbers. And, you know, that, that's one of the more costly things, especially for an author that's going the print on demand route. Mm-hmm. I see where you're coming And from. I've actually, I've helped Taryn Lupo, you know, with some of his stuff, especially when he was first getting started getting uh, pirates printed, you know, walked him through the process a little bit, and he's actually had more success than I, because he writes fiction, I write nonfiction, and nonfiction is some of the least best-selling stuff. So what are you seeing out there in the in the book publishing world? I mean, is it uh, pretty much what Matt called in earlier, where just sales of uh, hardcover books and softcover books are just falling off the radar? Uh, yes. Two years ago, or no, not... Two years ago is when I started the company, and the first book that I printed was a reprint of Bastiat's The Law. Okay. And for several months, I was consistently selling hundreds of copies. Physical copies. Of The Law. Yes. Okay. Physical copies. And then about a year and four months ago, it was about April of last year, it just totally plummeted from, I believe it was 270 copies the one month to 15 the next. Jeez. 
Thanks for the call yeah. tonight. I appreciate the uh, the information. Must have been some sort of a, uh, I guess, point of saturation for these these nooks and and Kindles and things like that. 800-259-9231. More coming up. You take control. Free Talk Live. The Ruger LC9. Compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP. Features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com LC9. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. You can enjoy the features there for free. We've got archives, so if you've missed a moment of the show, it's not a problem. Just go and download whatever ones you want. They go all the way back to late 2006. It's all completely free for you at freetalklive.com. And you know the U.S. dollar is devaluing. You can see it happening every day. You know a new currency will take over at some point, so... Why not be in on the ground floor? Bitcoins are a decentralized, anonymous internet currency. They're free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use them anywhere in the world, and their value seems only to be increasing. Find out more at weusecoins.org. That's weusecoins.org. Your dollars are going down, and Bitcoins appear to be going up. That's weusecoins.org. As we continue with you and your thoughts, Captain Ned listening in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Dale. Hello, Captain Ned. Hey, gentlemen. Great talking to you, and thanks for humoring me for a minute or two here. What's on your mind tonight, Ned? Well, Ian, I was talking about uh, moving up there yesterday, and I got kind of squeezed off. But uh, what I would do, the first thing, I would de-escalate tensions between you and Tebow. Oh, Tebow. This is the yeah. uh, this is the court bailiff who is very, very ornery mm-hmm. and yells at me every chance he can get. I actually apologized to Tebow the other day. And I did, and, and as Mark suggested, I didn't tell him I forgave him. Well, that's fantastic. But what yeah. I would do with the blessings of the powers that be, I would get a great big box of iced donuts, you know, sealed at the <laughs> donut shop and delivered by uh, several of the uh, local peace officers that you're friendly to Ian and deliver those to Tebow immediately. And after that, you know, there's nothing he can say to you. Yeah, he's going to smile. Well, you know, he he seemed to appreciate my apology when uh, when I apologized to him in person. He didn't give me an apology back, even though, uh, you know, that would have been nice uh, of him well, to do because he well, is rude. Yeah, try the, try the <laughs> yeah. donut route. Try the donut route, Ian, because, uh, you know, given enough time and donuts, I can put a leash and a collar on a 250-pound wild hog, and we're going <laughs> to, you know— we're gonna we're gonna walk together because it's all about the donuts. But anyway, it's a decent suggestion, me, Ned. I have to say. Thank you, thank you very much. That's the least I could do. But to get to the guy who called Frank, who was talking about Megar Evers. Who? The beauty of <laughs> sorry, uh, Frank, the guy who said he was an attorney. He was talking about Megar Evers and civil rights. Frank earlier. is not an attorney. At least nothing oh, I'm okay. aware of. Frank right, in New anyway, York called earlier, and I, I'm sorry, I don't even remember the name of whom you were talking about. Well, anyway, I've heard him before, a very intelligent guy, and everybody yes. can pitch in and help whatever do they can do, uh, you know, 
to help the Liberty Movement is fantastic. And thank you very much for your time, guys. Thank you, Ned. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Borders Books planning to close its 399 stores. Liquidation could start as soon as the end of this week. Incredible news. And it wasn't too long ago that Circuit City uh, closed its doors. Yeah. Which was a big, you know, shock I think to a lot of people because certainly it didn't seem like consumer electronics were having a tough time. There's still plenty of people out there buying LCD television sets, and in some cases, it's just bad business. I mean, in some cases, some businesses just can't cut it. There's, uh, there seem to be. I mean, there's the really good diagnoses that we've been hearing about eBooks and about being able to order books online so conveniently and at good prices and. Uh, there, but there's also just general economy news that it, it seems to be right in line with all of that. I mean, for all those things to happen at the same time that there's really bad uh, economic things happening, you know. Like, Border, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just saying, like stocks right lately dropped, and gold is at an all time. Is it high. again another all time high? Well, for gold? It, let's let's. It's saying that. Um, I guess the streak, it's the streak that's that it's the longest run of gains. So I get maybe it's not its all time high. But it's like the longest run of run of gains in gold since 1980. So it's a hmm. at the same time stocks are dropping. So there's a little more information here on the uh, Wall Street Journal piece about borders. I, I think it's fascinating to watch these uh, behemoth businesses go uh, go under. I mean, I don't think it's it's good news, especially for the no. 10,000 plus people uh, that uh, that are working there. But it certainly is it's it's interesting to uh, to see it happen. The uh, According to the analysis here, the chain's demise could speed the decline in sales of hardcover and paperback books as consumers increasingly turn to downloading electronic books or having physical books mailed to their doorsteps. David Young, the chief of, uh, of a book group, which Borders owed $37 million at the time of its bankruptcy filing, said when you lose literally miles of bookshelves, it's going to have an impact. I hope other retailers will step up and make offers for what they consider to be the prime sites. It's a tragedy that Borders didn't make it through. And I have to say that uh, here in Keene, New Hampshire, there is this shopping center, which when I moved here was this bustling center of uh, of activity. And this was four or five years ago now. And now it's got it's going to have two empty locations. Two lar- yeah, large, yeah, large ones. Circuit City and now Borders. Yeah, Circuit City's been gone and empty for a couple years at this point. No one has filled that space. That's that's scary. And yeah. Borders is about to go out the door. And if they haven't filled Circuit City's space, which is a bigger building than Borders, I think, uh, then I don't know. Maybe they'll fill Borders with something else. But psh, it doesn't look like anybody's chomping at the bit to grab the Circuit City spot. So I'm it's not sure we have the most business-friendly atmosphere in Keene no. either. I imagine someone thinks, oh, I'll do something really cool with that place, and then looks into it and then it finds says, out with this, all the hoops the city wants them to jump through. Not just the hoops, but the know. property taxes on top of that as yeah. well. And, of course, the government bureaucrats don't care. They they don't care that they you know that uh, it's the most taxed city uh, in New Hampshire. They just they just care about their government, and they're not interested in what happens to the businesses. In fact, I think they're a bit, a bit clueless. Like, I don't I, th- I don't think they I, I really think there's a lot they don't realize how much they're hurting the economy by making it like making it. Um, I, there's just this impression that that some people have that some of these bureaucrats have that businesses just have this unlimited money, mm-hmm. and and the reality is anyone who starts a business like eighty percent of them fail. There's yeah. like people. It's a it's an it's an extremely risky endeavor anyway, and I'm sure that the bureaucracy has a lot to do with that eighty percent failure rate. 
You oh, know? I agree with you. I've, right. I'm the same way. I mean, I've looked at these business properties around town and looked at the property taxes. It's, just just that alone. Now, yeah. I don't even know what the regulations are. Oh, right. Okay. But just looking at the numbers on property taxes, and I look at it and I say to myself, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. And that's and and if you rent from that, if you try to rent that place, then that has to be figured into the cost of. Of course, uh, you know, you're, you're everyone. Every renter is paying their landlord's taxes, right? And then you're in something like a five year lease. I mean, commercial leases tend to be multi year, from yeah. what I understand. So if you don't have like a really kick butt business plan and and product in place, it's not worth taking that risk. I mean, if you look yeah. at, a, at at a thirty thousand dollar year. Property and then all those jobs bill. don't get created, and you know exactly. the, the the cycle continues of right. this horrible. How many people don't even try because of what you're talking about? Right, I, I, I'm one of them. I, I right. thought about starting businesses, and I look into it. And I'm like, well, if I do, it's going to have to not be a legitimate business. I'll have right. to do it agorist style because it's yeah, it's it's insane. And that was that will be what saves. I think what saves us is more and more people realizing they just have to do to some extent or another. Maybe not a hundred percent, but to some extent or another, people realizing they have to go some kind of agorist route. And then that will be, uh, you know, hopefully that will, you know, will build some kind of uh, healthy gray economy that can compete with this 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 sick white economy. Only problem there is, I mean, that's all good, Dale, but you still have property taxes to deal with for your yeah. the place you live, wherever, where, whatever, yeah, wherever you're doing it. Yes, and I. Can can tell you that uh, that that increases the cost of living significantly and it i mean people are moving in together we've been talking about this on free talk live where there are record numbers of people moving in together so like kids moving back home and not kids but grown adults moving back home with uh, with mom and dad just to save money families yeah. moving in together uh rather than, uh, than moving apart th- that used to be you know it's a cultural thing a, a lot it was not terribly uncommon sometime back for multiple generations of families to live in like a big house you know, and, mm-hmm. and that, that that was actually just that was fine. And people like the closeness of We're being with their extended family. I think it will we will be economically forced to go back to that sort of style of living. And uh, it's happening now. You know, yeah, it's our Yeah. But but because of the property taxes here, that's a big factor in, in that happening. And so it's just these things need to change. New Hampshire is doing well economically in comparison to the other states. But that doesn't mean that it's the best. I mean, that doesn't mean it's the best, the most optimum situation here. There are a lot of things that could change to make it more, more friendly for business and more friendly for families to move to and, and all of that. And so you can come help us if you'd like at freestateproject.org because how are things doing in your state? Are things getting better? Is there more freedom on the horizon? More on the way. You take control in the remaining moments of Free Talk Live. Coming up. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. Talk live. Dial in toll free and bring up what you want at 800-259-9231. Enough time for you and your thoughts if you make a call now. 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Dale. Dale's here courtesy of his uh, website, FlamingFreedom.com. It's his radio show, Prometheus Unchained. You can go and listen to it. It's a once a week thing, uh, a couple hours a week with uh, Dale and friends. Uh, sometimes they are LGBT and sometimes they're just straight friends. 
We had some token straight guys on this this weekend. But well, either, actually, as a straight guy and a bi guy. Either way, it's fun stuff. You yep. can go and listen over at flamingfreedom.com. 800-259-9231 as we continue with you and your thoughts. Kevin is listening in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Kevin. Hi, Ian and Dale. How you doing? Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Good. Kevin? Uh, well, I heard you guys talking a bit about uh, the uh, borders, stores closing, and you actually happened to mention Circuit City. Uh, I worked for Circuit City for over five years uh, and almost went down with the ship. Um, now, you mentioned, you know, there, there's... Uh, well, you talked a lot about it, actually, and, and I, I would have to say from being there that it's, it's not just necessarily that books are completely outdated. You know, I know that there's definitely less market share for that sort of thing, that people are going the electronic route. Um, but it had to have had something to do with bad business practices. Okay. Uh, with, Circuit, with Circuit City, I mean, you mentioned people are still buying LCD TVs, and that's very true. You know, people are. Um, but there are so many different factors that led to the downfall of Circuit City with, uh, you know, places like Walmart or Amazon.com um, taking some of the market share, driving down profitability in those in those uh, in those uh, electronic sure. uh, products that they were to carry. Um, well, there already wasn't much of a margin in the in you know what you can make on those things. So yeah, I see where you're coming well, from. So the in, the increased competition. Not. I mean, yeah, there used to be um, you know decades ago. I mean, your average salesperson at a Circuit City store could make easily forty to fifty thousand dollars a year. Um, you know, when prices started coming down, can't blame the whole thing on Walmart, but prices started coming down, you know, they, they actually ended up laying off thousands of people uh, and hiring, you know, high school kids to take their places at, at $8, $10 an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that kind of all goes into it. But so when Circuit City uh, filed for what is a Chapter 11 for restructuring, you know, they had a fighting chance, but, you know, older business practices, CEOs making way too much money. Um, those things, I think, all contributed to the ship going down. Gotcha. I appreciate the analysis. And you said you just barely went down with You almost went down with it, but what did you get out of well, it early enough? Well, that's the other thing. Is I'm sure that there's plenty of people at Borders that saw the thing coming. Like I said, I worked there for five years, and I knew pretty much from day one that it was a sinking ship. Really? Um, I Yeah. Uh, just because of, you know, like I said, with the profit margins going down and mm-hmm. things like that, and I saw just horrible practices from the top down. Um, you know, they didn't take any uh, advice from people, you know, the, the foot soldiers that could have told them how to be a little bit more profitable at the store level. They didn't mm-hmm. really care, and as CEOs often don't. Um and, and and especially uh, after a few layoffs that they had, um, those several thousand people that were laid off, every single one of them was offered their job back, not at a lower rate, but at the same rate, not six months later. So that that's not a good sign. Jeez. Um, and then, of course, during the restructuring process and everything, I, I, I knew that it was coming. Down to the very end, they were telling their people and their customers, we're not going to go out of business, we're not going to go out of business. I left uh, two weeks before liquidation began. 
Thanks for the call tonight, man. I appreciate hearing from you, Kevin. 800-259-9231. The analysis, the anatomy of uh, the failure of a big business, a business that for a long time seemed to be successful, whether we're talking about Circuit City or Borders, uh, Borders getting ready to go out of business, 399 stores across the country going to be going under. It feels really sad. It's like it it's like this, it's it's it's, it's the, the the nostalgia of going into a bookstore and hanging out in a bookstore. I, I'm not. I know a lot of people do that on a really regular basis. It's not something that I do a lot. I don't know any of those still, people, but they exist. Yeah, yeah. It's still feels something. It's still something I feel like is. You know, part of my youth, maybe, that is oh, not going to be a part of my future because this is the businesses, the world is changing around us. This is probably just life, you know, that things change, that the world modernizes and evolves. And this is just another thing that I remember from my childhood that's going to be probably going to be gone from my future. Well, right. I mean, you, you look Barnes back. and Nobles is probably next. You look I don't back, know. Well, but, I don't, yeah, I don't know what their profit and loss is and all that, but uh, but you, just look at the, the the stuff we've been talking about tonight. That's gonna maybe they're doing better because they've ran things better. But it seems possible. like the same things are going to impact all the bookstores. Right. It's it's not. It can't be an easy business to do well in today with the the numbers that we heard about earlier with the, the people buying books online and the ebook sales increasing by what was it a hundred percent plus or something like that in a month. Crazy in a month. Two hundred percent is what i think he said right and then having uh, physical book sales dropping by 40 percent or something yeah. like that it doesn't matter how well you're running your business if the consumers are wanting something different and you can't provide it to them in the way they want it you're done for and mm. you're right dale it's interesting that you, you're kind of looking back i remember when barnes and noble opened in sarasota florida i probably was fairly young i guess it was in the mid-1990s at that uh, at that point and I remember it being like a big deal, like, wow, there's this big bookstore and it's got this cafe inside and there's people playing music. And it was really like a destination. It for was people. an atmosphere. Right. And then the and the opportunity to browse books, you mm-hmm. know, and they just look pretty and, you know, you touch them and you have all the, the whole experience of that that you're not going to get, you know, ordering books online. It's true. Things. It's true. But, but now, of course, Amazon has a way to look at the first few pages of every book. Yeah, and the, the, well, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. There's benefits to that shopping experience. The right. convenience of it. The, the reviews. The, the, I mean, you, know, you, you get reviews of everything, whereas when you're standing in the bookstore, you can ask the clerk or yeah, maybe somebody yeah, down the aisle. There's, there's a lot of benefits that are, you know, there's a lot of convenience and stuff. There's just sort of the tactileness, the first the firsthand experience, the experience of the atmosphere of the store, all that stuff is obviously not there. But uh, but the market, I think, is speaking. I mean, that's that's not, you know... Look at what's happened to magazines as well. I mean, magazines are again like in, like the newspaper business. They're having a tough time. And of course, you know when you yeah. think about Barnes and Noble or Borders, you think there's a nice, always a nice large magazine oh, yeah. section. Browse the magazine section. But those things are dying too. Magazines aren't making it anymore either. They're dying off. Yeah. yeah. And CDs. I mean, Barnes People and Noble have used these to sell little CDs. Star Trek looking devices. <laughs> they have these little mm-hmm. Star Trek looking devices that they're reading their books on now. <laughs> See, you know, you look at CDs and DVDs, and these things. You know, CDs are pretty much dead uh, mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, they're still out there for the stragglers. I remember that tapes tapes were still being sold in the mid nineteen nineties, but I didn't know yeah. anybody who had a tape deck. Uh, same thing with CDs. I don't know anybody who's buying CDs and popping them in their car stereos anymore. I don't. I don't know those people. I know they still exist. I but have I don't a know case them. of CDs in my car that I listen to. When's the last time you <laughs> bought a CD? Uh, I still have I a case of CDs. I bought the. 
I bought Buzz's Big Gay Dance Party music. That's what, I don't know if that counts, though. That's a very special case. Uh, yeah, that's unique. I, you know, I wanted what, to support When's the last him. time you bought a commercially produced uh, CD, audio CD? Um, it's been over a decade, I think. Yeah, that's the same thing for me. I've still got <laughs> you the book what? of CDs, I, and they're all from a decade ago. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. interesting. Well, I think I think I was nipped uh, from buying CDs way back, but when uh, I think the industry failed in in terms of overcharging for CDs initially, oh, yeah. and I got out of the habit of buying music or even caring about music because it was so overpriced. Yeah. I mean, you could buy the uh, the tapes were a little cheaper, they're a little bit more in a reasonable price range. The CDs were overpriced, and uh, I but I didn't want the crappy tapes, you know, the CDs there. But I didn't want to pay the CD prices too high, so I hardly ever bought music. And um, I it, it, and it wasn't that I was going and downloading it or, or pirating it or whatever. It was it was hard to download at that time. Sure, it, of it course, wasn't it's not really hard now, but right? The, but the uh, one th- but I just I just got out of the habit of buying music and and just stopped caring about music. I basically was lost as a music customer because of them um, just trying to charge these exorbitant prices. One were, of the commercial products that. Uh, that I would think that Barnes and Noble or or book borders these bookstores still have these kind of mega stores they could still sell DVDs and Blu-rays to some extent because it's hard to it's fairly hard to transfer those online. Uh, yeah, Netflix has streaming service, but it's still not going to look like Blu-ray quality. Yeah. So there's still a purpose to go out and buy a physical platter in that particular case. But Netflix and those online streaming services are chipping away. They're chipping away at that business too. And the you can buy those thing, things online as well. Right. You know, the you only other thing would be book. like buying puzzles or kids uh, kids books with like the pop up. Yeah, because you can't get the pop-up books on the Kindle. It's not yeah, gonna be the same. That's true, but that's not enough to keep a big bookstore running on. I can tell you that. No. Hey, we're out of time for tonight. We'll be back tomorrow. You can join us online in the meantime. As always, Dale. Thanks, man. Sure. Appreciate Glad to it. be here. It's Dale from FlamingFreedom.com. We'll be back tomorrow night. Online in the meantime at FreeTalkLive.com. What if the key to achieving liberty in your lifetime was to move together with others who think like you? Liberty activists are joining the Free State Project, which is over halfway to its goal of 20,000 participants. And they're already making the move to New Hampshire. The successes are piling up and are proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move, consider Keene. Keene is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. From demonstrations and vigils to outreach and volunteering, there's a lot going on in Keene. Keene is also the undisputed liberty media capital of the world, with television, talk radio, and more, all originating here. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, free books, a forum, and activist tools you can download and use in your area at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com.